to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osborne, a biblical church centered on Christ. Several years ago, David, I was at baby dedication. We had one, and one little girl was on the stage, and she didn't want to be on the stage. I'm convinced no one heard a single word I said because she screamed at the top of her voice. These girls did outstanding during baby dedication. Sometimes baby dedication, you don't hear a single word because our customers aren't very happy that morning. So that, but it is, it's always exciting to dedicate children to the Lord. And I appreciate, you know, this, we had a, I appreciate so many folks in our church. um, I want to tell you, we need to support our local pregnancy center. Because it's easy to talk about. This past week was, um, it was, I think, a, a virtual. It was the March for Life there in Washington. And it's easy to talk about being pro-life and maybe write it all over Facebook and everything. But we as Christians have to put boots to the ground. And what that means is we actually need to support families and babies and parents here in our community. And one of the ways we do that is by supporting Assurance. Assurance is our Crises Pregnancy Center. And our Sunday evening community group, led by John King here on the third pew, we're going through this book called Counterculture. And this, t- tonight we're talking about abortion. And the reality is, it's, um, it's rampant. Um, when there's a crisis pregnancy, an unplanned pregnancy, many times and people are going to make a choice if they're going to go to a clinic they're either going to go to the Planned Parenthood there on Southland Drive or they're going to go visit Assurance there across from Kroger Field. And whichever of those two places you go to literally is a life or death decision that's made. And we as a church family, we as Christians, we want to support Assurance. Assurance, it's a place that encourages mothers to have their babies. And then after they have their babies, the way we come alongside them, a lot of times... You know, it's a blessing when you're part of a church family and they throw you a baby shower and they have folks that come and buy diapers and you have um, uh, just a support base. But not everybody has that. So a lot of times when you encourage someone to have their baby and they choose life, then maybe they need diapers or, or the help isn't there. So they are told, hey, as your baby's several months old and you are in need of diapers, you can stop by Assurance and we will give you diapers. Because we want to actually, we're encouraging you to have your child and, and to choose life. Now I want you to come alongside of you after that baby's born and support that. And that's where we came along as a church. So I appreciate my office is packed right now of diapers. So I appreciate that. Tomorrow uh, I'll be stopping by there and giving that to Miss Rhonda Weber, who's executive director there of Assurance. And um, it'll be a great blessing from you all. So I do want to appreciate that. It certainly ties in as well with baby dedication uh, to letting, reminding us that all children, including babies, are a gift from the Lord. And we certainly support babies here at Broadway. Open your Bibles to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 13. I'm going, today is a conclusion of a four-week sermon series called Rebuild. Rebuild is our theme for our church this year. We have been talking about this entire month, rebuilding your life, rebuilding your family, rebuilding our church, and now we're going to talk about rebuilding 
our nation. The truth is, God is the establisher of nations. God institutes governments. God, through even decisions that we don't even agree with, He can certainly and does work. So I want you to go ahead and open up your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. And then in a little bit, we will flip over to Matthew chapter 24. Numbers 13, Matthew 24. America is waiting to get back to normal. But I don't believe normal is really what America needs. We don't need to go back to normal because normal, in many ways, for a lot of folks, is just a life, a secular lifestyle without the Lord. And what we need is we need these two children that we dedicated to the Lord and the children that are saved at assurance that they grow up in a nation, that they have the opportunity to hear about and participate in vibrant, active, Bible-believing churches where they grow up in a nation that when they go to school, church, and they go into their communities, they see there is a strong Christian presence. What I'm talking about is America needs believers. Our nation is desperate for folks like you and I. And I'm going to explain what this has to do in this passage. I'm going to give you some background before we read. God made a promise to Moses. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 20, or I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 23, there was this land called the promised land. The folks had, the Israelites had come out of Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. God parted the Red Sea. They walked right through. The Red Sea fell, collapsed. All the Egyptians died. Now they find themselves, after crossing the Red Sea, they're wandering around in the middle of the desert, in the wilderness. And sure enough, when you're in the middle of the desert, week after week, month after month, year after year, you start complaining. And there's over a million people. There's a lot of folks walking around, being led by Moses. And God made the folks there a promise that they will receive a land flowing with milk and honey. That is what we call Israel. Now, if you look at a map, the, the nation of Israel does not have all their current land that was promised to them in the book of Exodus. They, they have received a large amount of territory, yet today they have a small amount. But the amount they have today is still part of what we call the promised land. That's a promise from God. And these folks, Israelites, are out in the desert, current day Saudi Arabia, Jordan, and they're just wandering around. And they start complaining. God gets frustrated. So much of the book of Exodus, much of the book of Numbers, is tracing, in Deuteronomy, is tracing the pilgrimage wandering around the desert and the problems that were going on. But they got up to the edge of the land, and God told Moses to send out some spies. He says, you're going to go spy the land. You know, espionage has been around a long time. It still exists today. Even back in Bible times, espionage was going on. And the spies were selected. There were 12 tribes. Those were the 12 sons of Jacob. And each tribe, each son, 
had a representative. So these 12 men made a 40-day journey. It's about 400 miles. They went up and they went through. They just went on a walking tour, a pilgrimage. We're going to walk around the promised land. They went from the desert. They went for all the cities. They didn't go into the cities. They just kind of followed around. 12 men just wandering around for 40 days. Just checking out what was going on. Looking at the land. What's, what's the area look like? They were exploring, exploring their future home. And then they came back and they gave a report. Now, what's important to remember, God had promised this land to Moses and all the Israelites. So the Lord who brought them through the Red Sea, who delivered them out of slavery in Egypt, he had made a promise in Exodus 23. You're going to inherit that land. That land is for you. But the problem is when they walked through the land, they were probably thinking, there's not going to be anybody there. They were wrong. There were all these other people groups that were living there. The land of Canaan was filled with all these different groups of people like the Amalekites, the Canaanites, the Amorites. Well, these folks did not worship the Lord. And they had built fortified cities such as Jericho. And remember, these folks in the desert were not great warriors. They were following the leadership of the Lord. But remember, they had a promise from the Lord that the Lord would give them that land. Well, the spies went through the land and thought, wait a minute, this is a fortified, these, we can't beat these folks. It's wonderful land. It's a great promise from God, but these guys are big. So that's where we're going to pick up. And the purpose of this message is because I believe in many ways, some of us, we're going to have one of two attitudes looking at the United States of America. You, you survey our country, and th there's two options you can look at. These 12 men, 10 of them come back, and they're scared to death, and they're going to give a bad report. And two of them are holding and clinging to the promises of the Lord. They are excited about this opportunity God has given. Those two are Caleb and Joshua. And the goal is for us this morning, for online folks... What type of report do you look at our nation? Because I'm worried some of us have given up on America. You have the attitude. In fact, I put up on your screen. Have you given up? Have you ever found yourself saying, I'm glad I'm not a child today because it's a sure lot different than when I was growing up. You ever said something like that? Things have really changed. And they have changed. But you think about change. You probably drove a car to Broadway Baptist Church this morning. In the rain. And if you lived in Falmouth, you would have drove in the snow. If we could rewind 110 years to about 1911 you would not have driven a car to Broadway Baptist Church. In fact, cars, automobiles, didn't become popular to the 1920s. You would have rode a horse. It's true. You, if we could go back in time, 110 years, 
you would have rode a horse to this church. You would have tied your horse up to a tree. Your preacher's preaching is eating some leaves off the tree. And probably those folks that rode a horse were saying, thank goodness, you know, I didn't have to walk. Because probably if they had to go back in time and far, they would have been walking to church. And I think for us, we can come here and we're, we can reminisce on the good old days. Now, the good old days, now for some of you, the good old days, you might have wanted to ride a horse to church. But th- what it is, is times have obviously changed. And the generation that we're dedicating, that we've dedicated, that Eva, that Eden and Ava grew up in, will be radically different than what I grew up in. Who knows what they'll be coming to church in. But the point is, whether you walked, you rode a horse, or you drove a car, or I don't know, whatever the future holds, we can't be people that sit around reminiscing on the good old days of America. Or maybe you are glad we don't live in those days, or you want to go back to those days. The point is, God has us here today in 2021. That's what year we live in. Most unique time in the world. And we need to recognize that God has blessed us. God has blessed our nation. And we have experienced as a nation two great awakenings. And we need to be saying as Christians, have we given up? Have we forgotten that God gave us this nation? Think about it. I have it up here on the screen. You look at our country and it seems so different than what you grew up with. It's unfamiliar, just very unfamiliar. We recall the good old days. The good old days, everything in the past seems better. You reminisce. But the truth is, this is the time we can never go back to the so-called good old days. We want to make today the day that the Lord has made. And you and I should rejoice and be glad unto it. This is the day that God has given us to live for Him. And it's fruitless for you and I to think about how things used to be like, how church used to be, how things in America once were. Those days are gone. They're never coming back. They can't come back. They're in the past. All we do is age. Number two, this is a sign that you have kind of given up in our country. You've quit praying for a revival. Do you pray for our local high schools? Do you pray for children in our church? For them to be raised in our church and come to know the Lord? Do you pray for the churches, not just our church, all the churches... To see folks saved. To boldly proclaim. Do you know one of the saddest things? I was talking to that assurance director there this week. You know, we're a church. We support life. A lot of churches don't even, they don't even do that. You can step into a church here in Lexington. And they are not supporting places like assurance. They are not preaching and teaching that life begins in the womb. 
When it's so clear as the Bible verses we read in in our baby dedication, Psalm 127, Psalm 139. Guys, we can't ever quit praying for God to have a great revival of our nation. Complaining about our country. Complaining about Washington. Complaining about Frankfurt is useless, useless, beyond useless. Nobody will listen to you, and nobody's going to do anything about it. God's looking for folks with literally boots and feet on the ground say, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, we might have some problems. There's lots of problems in this nation. Well, so what? How are you going to help solve them? What are you going to do in our community to help make things better? What are you going to do on your knees at home to start seeing people get saved? Because when we quit praying as a Christian people, you've just, you've given up. You have given up. And you, our nation will we'll slide into secularism. We will continue to drift farther and farther away from the Lord. When you give up, America has no hope. Our prayers, our passion for the gospel, our belief in this book right here is all America has. God has entrusted Bible-believing churches filled with Bible-believing Christians in all 50 states, and he's looking at us. What's another sign you've given up? You have quit believing in the promises of God. Do you know the Bible says that God establishes the nations? And the nations are blessed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we turn here in a minute to Matthew 24, I promise we're going to get there. It actually tells us that. Jesus tells us. The nations need Jesus. But don't turn to Matthew. Go ahead now. Turn to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers 13 verse 26. Look what God's word. This is the report. Now we're coming back from spying the land out. It says here, The men went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran. That's in southern, extreme southern Israel, south of the promised land, at Kadesh. They brought back a report for them and the whole community. And they showed them the fruit of the land. I mean, they cut down some nice grapes. So we see how abundant the land is. They're carrying some grapes and showing how wonderful this land flowing with milk and honey is going to be like. Now, why would you bring grapes? And you're talking about how great the land is, but here's the report. That's like all of a sudden... Have you ever needed like a jog, a, a, a job recommendation? And you're having to give one for someone. And you say, yeah, I know Sherry. She's a great employee, great person. But, and then here comes the but. And you start listing 15 bad things about her. That's basically what we're about to see the but. Yeah, here we have this, these grapes. We've got this wonderful land. It's wonderful, but... We've got, here's the bad part of the report. We went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it's flowing with milk and honey. And here's some of his fruit. However, there's the but. The people living in the land are strong and the cities are large and fortified. We also also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living in the land of the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites. 
live in the hill country. And the Canaanites lived by the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, now this, this is a courageous young man right here. This is our attitude. We need a church filled with Caleb's. Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses. He recognized the conversation was going downhill. And you know, sometimes when things start going downhill, you have to speak up for positive. Say, wait, uh, we don't need to give... Yeah, there's some people groups there. But he quieted the people and said, let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. Do you know why he said that? Because God told him that in the book of Exodus. He's holding to the promises of the Lord. Caleb knew his Bible. He knew what the Lord had said. And God tells us today, when we are faithful at sharing the gospel, when we make a bold stand for Jesus, when we are firm on our faith, God keeps His promise. Listen, do you want to see revival in America? Do you want to see this country change? The only way it's going to be changed is for Jesus. Period. Nothing else. Politics, nothing that Washington will do, does will change this country for the better. I mean, just won't. Putting our hope in Washington or Frankfurt is not going to bring about the change our country needs. All you're going to get is money and government programs out of those two cities and rules and restrictions. That's all you get. But this attitude of Caleb, let's certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him responded, we can't attack the people because they are stronger than we are. So look at this. Look at this. So they gave a negative Report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. Notice how at first we started talking about the people. Now the people devour its inhabitants. How do they know that? All they did is you go for a walk through the country. They weren't devoured. You see how stories tend to grow? When you want a bad report, it gets worse and worse. And the people we saw are the size of great, men of great size. I mean, they're giants. It's a Pinocchio story. We go on a pilgrimage to scout out the land, and we identified all the different people groups. We come back to give a report. And look at verse 33. Look what it says. And we even saw the Nephilim there. The Nephilim were extinct with the flood. And now they've come back to life. Do y'all see how over-exaggerated this report is? The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. To ourselves, we seem like grasshoppers. And we must have seemed the same to them. Meaning, we are puny whips. There's no way we can fight these folks. That is called a bad report. And we won't keep on reading there, but if you read the next chapter, do you know what happened? It says Joshua also stood up with Caleb and he was giving the good report. Caleb and Joshua are on one side. You got 12 people. Two of them are passionate, holding to the promises of God. And the other two are saying, we're going to die if we do this. Negative, negative, negative from the other 10. 10 verses 2. And do you know what happened? Later on the next chapter, the ten people over here, they decide they wanted to kill the other two. Literally. You know, the report, these two are ready to go to battle, and Joshua 
and Caleb are now about to get attacked by their own people. They're literally on death row at this point. And finally, at this point, the Lord had to intervene. And it says he was burning in anger at their bad report. And I believe for us, our lives are either going to be a life of our country of a bad report where you complain about our nation and talk about how God's done with it and it's going down the tubes because it's not like the good old days. Or you're going to be a Joshua and Caleb and you are passionate and you hold to the promises of God and you believe the greatest days of our country, the greatest days of our nation of seeing the Lord move in our land. Do you know America has sent more missionaries in the past 200 years than any other country ever? We have been a missionary-sending country. Our nation, First Amendment's religious liberty. We were founded because pilgrims wanted to come here to get away from the Church of England, the freedom to worship. That's our nation. 102 people founded this nation at Plymouth Rock for the freedom to worship the Lord. And they evangelized the Native Americans. They were sharing the gospel with them. Missions, religious liberty, the gospel is central to who we are as Americans. And we as Christians, we can't abandon that. We should not be ashamed of America's history. We shouldn't be embarrassed of our faith. We should be a Joshua and Caleb. These men were bold. They saw what they were up against, but they held to the promise of God. All right, flip over. Last scripture we're going to look at. Matthew 24. Here it is. Here comes the promise from Jesus. God, Jesus gives us a promise about our nation. In fact, this goes, applies to every nation. It says in Matthew 24, verse 9, He's talking about the end of time, the end of the age. And he says here, Then they will hand you over to be persecuted. Persecution will come for us if it's not already here. And these are for believers, it's for us. And they will kill you. We need to be prepared to stand for Christ. You will be hated by all the nations because of my name. If someone hates you, it shouldn't be because of your political beliefs or your uh, actions you've done, if you're going to be hated, the only reason someone should hate you is because you stand and you believe in Jesus. In the end times, it says you will be hated because of your faith and commitment to the Lord. That's the only reason that you, someone should ever hate you. The Bible says that's going to happen. Then many will fall away. Betray one another and hate one another. Look at this. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. That's all around us. A f a false prophets today are, are, are liberal churches that do not teach and preach the Bible. You can, you can go visit a church. You can watch a, a preacher, even a Baptist preacher, literally tell you lies. That's why it's so important that you all know your Bible to say, okay, what this guy is saying, is it actually lining up with scripture because if it's not that is a false prophet false prophecies all around us our standard is God's word and it says here because lawlessness will multiply the love of many will grow cold that's just a hard heart but the one who endures to the end 
Look at this. Will be saved. Now, here's the promised Bible verse. Verse 14, main verse I want you to look at. The good news, do you know the good news is the gospel. That's what the word good news means. Of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world. Look at this. As a testimony to all nations. There it is. A testimony. The good news. Good news is who? Jesus will be proclaimed to all nations as a testimony. Our testimony to America is that Jesus is the only hope. Jesus is what our country needs. Jesus is who saves people of their sins. All of the problems around us, Jesus tells us the solution is Him. The best thing you and I can ever do for this nation is to be, as verse 14 tells us, to be a Christian testimony and witness to our fellow Americans, our fellow Kentuckians. And then at that point, after you testify right here in America, in our nation, the end will come. So we know when the second coming's coming, it's after the gospel has gone to all, there's over 200 nations, and the gospel, the good news, will be proclaimed in every single one of them. And that's what we are to do. We want to help fulfill The good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations. The testimony is not democracy. The testimony is not how great our country is. The testimony isn't how wealthy our country is, how good our economy is. The testimony of America is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this morning, I ask you, are you going to be a part Of the ten people that bring a bad report? Or are you going to be a part of the two people, the Joshua and Caleb, who bring a bold report? Let's go conquer the land. Your attitude. We stand at a crossroads as a nation. We're either going to see God do great things. It's really a crossroads coming out of the COVID season. Things are reopening slowly. It's a return Churches, Christians, could see great spiritual revival, renewal in their life. Youth groups start seeing teenagers saved. Children start trusting in Christ as their Savior. Baptism kicks back up. And we're seeing folks saved and baptized because folks are sharing the gospel to fellow Americans, as the Bible tells us, as the nations. God's Word does not return Void. Your attitude about our country is what stands at a crossroads. Rebuilding America. You want to rebuild America? Do you know where it begins? It's not in politics. It begins with you. It begins with me. It begins with the attitude we tell our children. That they are blessed to live here. They're blessed to be a part of a church that's so active and wonderful as ours. We have a great nation we should not be ashamed of, that we can freely come and worship in and lead people in our community to the Lord 
and see them connected and grow in their faith. And then one day they can dedicate their children in baby dedication. That's how the gospel works. So you want to you want to rebuild our nation? You need to tell yourself, God, my attitude is where it starts. Because I promise you, if you're part of those 10 spies and you have a bad attitude that gives a bad report and you view our nation as a lost cause, that's what they were looking at. They looked at the Canaanites. They looked at mythical people such as the Nephilim that don't, didn't even exist anymore. And they thought, we could never beat them. If you look at the challenges in our nation and say there is no way that folks in America are going to get saved and have a revival, you are just like the ten negative spies. You are doubting the power of God and the promises of God. God has given our nation a promise. And that promise is we stand on the word of God. This morning I'm inviting you to have an attitude for our nation like Joshua and Caleb. How do we conquer our land? We conquer our land by sharing the gospel. People in our country need Jesus. When you realize that, when you hold to that promise, when you get convicted over that, that changes everything. Listen, when you see something wrong that occurs in our country, we should stop and pray about it. And go, that person needs the Lord. They need Jesus. That's the only change. Change is going to Prison's not going to help them. Uh, a prescription's not going to help them. Going to more education isn't going to help them. Government programs certainly isn't going to help them. What's going to help them? The gospel's going to help them. And we have to be convictional about that for our nation. I want to invite everyone to stand together. We're going to have our invitation. This is your opportunity to respond to what God is doing in our life. And if you are ready to commit to our church or to commit to the Lord, you come down forward talk to myself or Brother Hurd. But for many of you, you've been a Christian many years. And your crossroads you're standing at is you need to believe, believe that 2021 is the year of the Lord. The year God has placed you that you need to have a better attitude and begin praying for our state and our nation and our city to see great spiritual renewal and for people to turn to Jesus. When you do that, I'm asking you to be part of the two with a good report. David Dale's going to lead us in a song. Myself and Brother Hurd are going to be standing up front waiting for you to respond.